Welcome to the Big Play Cleveland Show. I'm Gabriella Cruz alongside Nick Padone, Chris McNeil in studio, and we've got the good energy to kick off the week, everybody, coming off especially big Browns win over the weekend. And I wish we had a little more good news, McNeil, on your Twitter front, but soon enough we will be giving we will be delivering that good news as well. Hashtag um, free reflog. Yeah, Keep hashtag it going. free reflog. I'm still in jail at the moment, but I'm still <laughs> celebrating Victory Monday and a championship Monday too with our crew down there in Columbus. Yes. They get it done against LA over the weekend. Just a fantastic game. Nick, I know you were down there, part of the crowd. What was it like being there in the stadium? At the Death Star. Oh, it was awesome. It, it is a super victory week indeed, and that was the best way to get the weekend rolling was Saturday, the crew. The energy was literally electric from the opening minute of that match. I mean, it was really fun. Um, you you guys know, you know, I'm not the biggest in-the-weeds soccer fan, you know, kind of just casual soccer enjoyer, especially of our Columbus crew, and it was super cool to be in that energy because you could feel the crowd playing a difference from like moment one and I think that was a big thing for the crew to have that home pitch advantage for the MLS Cup and it definitely paid off it was super cool Chris and now the Haslam's have delivered two, two. championships <laughs> down there in Columbus still awaiting the first one here in Cleveland but they get it done there over the weekend that was nice yeah, it was a lot of fun. Honestly, we're going to bring in a special guest, MLS champion Sean Zawadzki is going to join the show. We're going to do a little fill in the blank, get you guys our top Cleveland Browns headlines, probably get a little Cavs and Guardians worked in there too. We'll get you guys our bets. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to take you guys on a little tour of SoFi Stadium. I'm finally right. back in studio right. from LA after the Browns game out there. So I'll take you guys into the stadium at the end of the show. Sweet. Cool. Well, what do you say that we step aside and then when we return, we could get to our Lipton Tea Talk featured interview with Sean. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show. We are bringing on MLS champion Sean Zawadzki in. We're super excited to be chatting with you as part of our Lipton Hard Tea Time. And, you know, we want to know right off the rip, like, what was, you know, Nick was just talking about the atmosphere. What was it like for you playing? Oh, it was incredible. Um, being a Cleveland guy, an Ohio guy, um, to have MLS Cup in the state of Ohio um, at home in front of the fans. Um, it's, it's a dream come true and just an amazing feeling to, to step foot on the field in front of, in front of everyone. You know, Sean, how special was it to have that title in Ohio, in Columbus? It was such a big talking point all throughout last week that we're going to have a big time championship game right here in Ohio. I mean, people don't realize this is the Super Bowl of soccer. Like this is a very big deal for American soccer right here in Ohio. How cool was that for you, especially being from here to play in front of the home fans like that? Uh, it means so much, um, especially MLS. It's really difficult to play on the road. Like any other sport, it's really difficult to play on the road. So to be at home, this is a huge game. Um, like you said, Super Bowl of soccer, basically. And um, to allow the Columbus fans and, you know, people from all Ohio to just kind of experience that and to kind of bring it all together as a, as a club and as a city. All right. Now, as the Ohio guy on the team, did you have a lot of friends, family, other guys, friends and family kind of hitting you up for tickets all throughout the week? We know how that goes. We've had a lot of, four, you know, Cavs players, Guardians players, Browns players on the show. How was that for you all throughout the week? 
Yeah, it was. It honestly wasn't too bad. You know, I, I got messages from people asking for tickets, um, but it's a little difficult. We only get so many um, to give out to to family and friends. Um, but there's, you know, there's other guys on the team like Donington Nagby, Evan Bush, other guys from the Cleveland area um, who, are, who are getting like 30, 35 tickets for family and friends. So, you know, we all we all put in a, a lot of um, a lot of ticket requests for, for family and friends. And um, I think it was just amazing to have them all there. So, Sean, tell us about the celebration afterwards. What did you guys do as soon as you're hoisting the cup? You're out there, you're blowing off steam, you're celebrating what is a momentous victory. What was that like? Incredible. Um, from January, I think it was like 13th or 14th when we started preseason um, to December 9th when hoisting the cup. Uh, it's just a testament to the hard work we've put in all season. And um, we became one big family this year. Um, you know, guys will come in and out of the team. Uh, transfers happen. Um, but, you know, everyone stuck together through it all. Trusted the system, trusted the coaches. And I think after the game, we, we saw that and kind of how emotional people were. Um, to what and how much it meant to to each one of us to win it for this club and um, you know to be a part of history. Sean, how about your personal journey a little bit for people who aren't familiar? I mean, obviously they're still young and you have so much more to go. But how did you get to where you are? Yeah, so um, from the Cleveland area, Olmstead Falls. Um, grew up, never really, never played high school soccer. Um, joined the Columbus Crew Academy when I was in eighth grade. Um, so would be commuting from uh, Olmstead Falls to Columbus. Um, three to four times a week, um, two hours, two and a half hour drive each way, doing homework in the car. Um, and then after I played for the academy from eighth grade till my senior year of high school. Um, and then I went to Georgetown University. Um, amazing place. Lucky to, lucky to have attended that university and um, was actually able to win a national championship with Georgetown uh, my sophomore year. And um, then after uh, my senior year of high school of college at Georgetown, um, I was lucky enough to sign a homegrown contract for the Columbus crew um, last year. Um, so last year was my very first year in the, in the MLS and then um, to now um, second year in the league and to win a trophy. You know, Sean, talk to us a little bit about that crew academy. It's obviously such a big deal for you guys down there in Columbus. And for us traditional Cleveland sports fans, it's something that we don't really know a lot. And we don't hear a lot about, you know, guys that skip their high school athletic career to go into a professional type MLS academy. Talk a little bit about your experience with the crew academy. Yeah, I, I owe a lot of my uh, my success and in, in, um, achievements to to the crew academy. Um, and the whole the whole club as a, as a whole, um, you know, it offers a lot of different opportunities. Um, so, I, I believe when I was 14 or 15, I actually had the opportunity to train with the first team when I was still in, in high school, young high school kid, being able to train with the first team, kind of get in that environment and, and to experience that. Um, and then, you know, able to compete against other top players in the country um, at your age, you get to have the opportunity to attend national youth national team camps. Um, playing so you get to play with these these other top players in the country um so it's just a wide range of different things you get to experience um and while you know it would have been nice to play high school soccer with friends i grew up playing with my whole life um i think in the end i think this was a really good decision for me and, and i think something that you know it took a lot of time to decide on with my family my parents were really supportive because um, it had to take a lot of um sacrifice from them to you know to drive me down to columbus um so it, 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 I owe a lot to the academy and to, that played a huge role in, in getting me to where I am today. Who are some of your role models? Like how did you originally get into soccer or did it just naturally pique your interest right off the bat? Yeah, um, 
when I was younger, my parents kind of threw threw all, my brother and sister and I all into all different sports. So we were playing baseball, soccer, um, basketball. Um, and to me, soccer really just stuck. Um, just and and I think it just kind of went from there. You know, no one in my family really played. My mom a little bit um, in high school, um, but not really much after that. So it's just kind of something that stuck with me, I guess, the whole time. And uh, yeah, it, I always remember a story my parents told me when I was younger that um, the very first time I stepped foot on the soccer field when I was really young, um, I hated it. I wanted, to, I was crying. I didn't want to be out there, and I'd only be out there if my dad was holding my hand. Um, so, and then I, I scored a goal and I told him to get off the field. And I think from that day forward, I was good. Yeah. It's just, it's just something that always is in the back of my head. Um, love hearing stories like that. I'm just kind of bringing the whole journey, uh, up to this point. Sean, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back more with Columbus crew midfielder, MLS champion right here from right here in Northeast Ohio, Sean Wadsky. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland Show. We are still joined by MLS champion from right here in Northeast Ohio. We've got Sean Zawadzki with us, telling us a little bit about your story and even the experience, your your big win. Um, how about, Nick, did you have anything? I've been asking, like, I've been taking over. So, McNeil, you go. There's more casual observers of soccer like myself. I'm, I'm a bandwagoner, a very happy bandwagoner, <laughs> by the way. You know, like I said, I've gone to several games, brought my family out. It's a great experience to anybody who's ever done it. I'd urge you to go see a new stadium, see our new championship team when they're back in action next year. It's fantastic fun. Um, but to, to the outsiders, how would you describe the play? What is what is Columbus Crew? What is the personality of this team? What are they known for as a team and now as a championship team? Um, we're a team who, you know, like we like to take risks. Um, we're, we keep the ball. We, we, we like to have the ball, um, keep possession, wait for gaps open up. But when, when it's time to go, we like to take risks going forward. Um, kind of leaves us a little susceptible in the back sometimes. Um, and I think that's kind of something we struggled with early in the year. Um, so we didn't get results too often. Um, but I think that's something we really learned on throughout the season. And I think something that really started to click. What is it about that team culture? You mentioned, you know, earlier in the show, you know, like ever since the Save the Crew movement, you know, that you guys have been able to have success, two championships now since that happened. What is it about the culture that has allowed you guys to have the sort of sustained success over these last four years? I think it comes down to everyone believing in what the club, what the clubs put forward. Um, and everyone, when they're, when they're here, they, they enjoy the city, they enjoy the fans, they enjoy it all. And just bought into everything that's in front of them. And, um, you know, we understand that the club's going to have the best interest of, of all, every single one of us at heart. And so just continue to do what we're capable of doing and um, good things will happen. What can you say about your coach, Coach Nancy? He's only been here a year, but what did he bring? Um, it's a whole new fresh start with him. You know, he brought in his whole new ideas. Um, it's actually some things you, even as a soccer fanatics, I think some people are kind of, will be taken aback by by his tactics and his system and um but he he wants everyone he doesn't want you to be scared he wants you to take risks he doesn't want you to be afraid of, at messing up um it's just kind of to learn from your mistakes and um to continue to do what um he preaches and what the staff preaches so so as somebody who's now played at different mls stadiums across the country I, i've got to ask 
Columbus, to me, seems very unique. You've got the Nordic, which is kind of like the dog pound, only way more organized. They've got songs. They've got chants. You've got drummers the entire time. They've got sunshine. I, I mean, just everything around the game is just so fantastic, and, it, and it's to show. Uh, do you see that at other stadiums around the country? Yeah, you do. You, each team really has a good supporter group, um, and they kind of lead it all. And I think that's something that's really grown a lot. Um, as, as the league's gotten better and, and got more recognition. Cool, cool. Sean, last one before we get you out of here. We appreciate you joining us. Actually, we'll probably do a couple more. How excited are you for the parade this week? <laughs> you, know, you know that atmosphere is going to be crazy, and it's just going to give you guys another opportunity to celebrate with the city of Columbus and with each other one more time on this championship season. Yeah, I can't wait. You know, it could be the last time we're all together as a team. Um, and... Um, going back to the, the time the team that Columbus won the last MLS Cup in, in 2020, um, they weren't able to have a parade because of COVID. So it's kind of a celebration of, of, of two trophies. And um, so I think the fans will be incredible. They, they're always incredible. So um, just kind of take it all in again and, and celebrate with everyone. All right, last one now, truly. You won a national championship at Georgetown as well. Which title is more special, the Crew MLS Cup or Georgetown National Championship? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I'm gonna. Th I think I'm gonna say Columbus. You know, um, <laughs> being being from being from Ohio to do it for a hometown team, it, it means a lot. Um, but the one at Georgetown, there's not, nothing to to not write home about either. It was the first first uh title in, in the soccer team's program so it's it means a lot that one means a lot as well but um being from ohio and winning this one with columbus i think is, is a little bit more special to me awesome sean thank you so much for your time i know that there's going to be more celebrating ahead for you in your whole career but uh especially soon with the parade and everything sean zawadzki thank you so much of columbus crew for joining us and good luck congratulations yeah we'll have to bring you back go crew Go crew. Go Browns, too. <laughs> go yeah, Browns, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Sean Zawatsky, that was a lot of fun, guys. And honestly, it was really cool to talk to somebody from the local area who's made it big with their hometown team and the crew. And it, it was a really cool story and really fun having Sean on. It's nice celebrating a championship here in Ohio and down there for Columbus. And like I said, those, those fans, they saved the crew back in the day, but just a few years ago, they've been rewarded now with two cups for their loyalty. You'll never find outside of maybe the Cleveland Browns, a more loyal fan base than the crew has. The way they rallied when Anthony Precourt tried to take our team and they rallied to keep the team there in Columbus, built the new stadium. You know, you had Dr. Pete Edwards, you had uh, the Haslams both go in, save the crew down there, virtually for those people. And, you know, what's ironic is we've got Art Modell to thank for that. Because if it wasn't for the Art Modell law that went into effect after the Browns were moved, we wouldn't be celebrating two victories right now for the crew and two championships for the crew. So it's wild the way Cleveland sports both taketh and giveth away. But here we are <laughs> celebrating the crew today. Yeah, it's, it was so fun, man. And it was really cool for me to be there, you know, with our guys at Tipico and our partnership. And obviously their huge partnership with the crew being on the sleeve. It was really fun. Betting on the game was really fun. I 
I went into this soccer season so ignorant towards just how fun soccer is. You hear like all the naysayers about it. And I was one of those people, you know, that it's 90 minutes of just back and forth. And hopefully you get a few big pops along the way. But honestly, betting on it is so fun. And like what Sean was saying, you know, their style of play makes that even more fun. Like they do control the ball a ton just in the championship game. They were like dominating the time of possession, you Especially know. Especially in the first half. In the first half, and as a novice fan, I'm like, this has to be good. The fact that the ball is on their side of the pitch for this long, like something is bound to break. So I live <laughs> bet that the crew were gonna score, and surely enough, they did. So like that just aspect of the game has really just it's it's turned me into a fan, honestly. And for you, you said you came into the season kind of ignorant. You walked away now feeling like you've learned something. I walked in ignorant, walk away ignorant, but at least I got a cup, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, got some got hardware. Cool koozie, too. Yeah, koozie. we got all sorts of won cool a few gear bucks. around here. I won my bet as well on the Columbus crew, of course, laid on the money line there against L.A. So everybody's a winner. We get to celebrate it tomorrow in Columbus with a big parade Did you downtown. see, Chris, speaking of just people winning money on the crew, Tipico had to pay out like well over $100,000 of crew bets. I think $97,000 were Ooh. just people that had futures, you know, bet on the crew months ago wow. to win the championship. Wow. And then obviously the whole week leading up to people were betting crew money line. I'm sure people were betting Cucho goal score like me. And then they, yeah, they had to pay out like $100,000 for people that believed you know kind of from day one so super cool there and that's got to feel good for them as a sponsor you know if you're going to be paying out that kind of money you, <laughs> you might as well do it for the team, team you in <laughs> that's right yeah. right so that's got to feel good for the crew feel good for typical and of course feel good for the city right now yeah Definitely. don't sleep on any of that soccer betting i guess right i guess right. i'm ignorant too and i gotta get in on this we gotta get we we talked about it all season next season we have to have a full group outing i'm talking full <laughs> yeah. full group yes. outing out there just it's take a over a crew game um, in the Tipico section because it is a blast. I love it. Okay, gang, we're going to take one more break and then we'll be back with some fill in the blank. Thanks so much for watching. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show. I lost my voice at the Browns game <laughs> <laughs> over the weekend, but that really leads us into our fill in the blank, everybody. Joe Flacco is a top blank Browns quarterback since 1999. I'm dying to know your thoughts. We're doing the prisoner of the moment thing, aren't we? <laughs> we are. The guys, just we sign him off the couch two weeks in. We're asking if he's a top five, top 10 Browns quarterback since 99. That's crazy. Although it's not so crazy when you look at that list of quarterbacks that we've had. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's very hard to say with a small sample size. But the way he's playing right now, I mean, he's trending towards being in that top five. I mean, you got Deshaun Watson. You've got Baker. You had McCown for a while. You had Derek Anderson, who's very good. Uh, you had Kelly Holcomb couched in the day. Um, but, you know, the fact is he doesn't have to play like the best of that group. He just has to play some good football. And he played very good yesterday. So I've got him up there, top five, top ten, I guess, for a small sample size. I mean, yeah, same. It, it's so tough to put a, label, a top one label on a guy just two games into his Browns right. career. <laughs> what I will say is this. Joe Flacco is the most accomplished Browns quarterback potentially ever. I mean, this is a guy what? that is a Super Bowl champion. 
Super Bowl MVP. Um, he uh, we tormented the Browns forever. We saw the Browns put up that tweet that all this guy does is win inside of Cleveland Browns Stadium. <laughs> and I hope that he could take us on a Nick Foles caliber ride. And I think that would be a lot of fun. If you take a peek at that schedule, the opponents are lined up to to do just that. I mean, you got the Chicago Bears, you got the New York Jets, you got the Burrowless Cincinnati Bengals, and then you're primed for a playoff run as the Browns sit here at eight and five. So I think Joe Flacco is accomplished. I, he's showing that he still has the skill set, and I think they got to go all in and make a little bit of magic here down the stretch. I really, you know, we were talking about the Joe Flacco jerseys, the Joe Flacco <laughs> statue. <laughs> I really want Big Play to make a t-shirt that says something to the effect of, like, it's got to have Mojo in there. Well, so we, we made one, that there's one on the store right now, and it says Elite. And okay. Flacco is the I in Elite because that has been the debate his entire career of is Joe Flacco Elite? He shows Elite moments, and then he shows you, like we saw on Sunday, that interception to nobody where somebody probably ran the wrong route. So that conversation has always been there with Flacco. So far, two games in, the Browns have gotten the Elite version of Joe Flacco, and we have that store, that shirt up on BigPlay.com right now. If there's any question about him being elite, if he brings the Browns to pl the playoffs, makes a run here, that should answer all those <laughs> questions. Oh, really. yeah. Right? I, I mean, I don't know that there even are after he's won a Super Bowl and his great career, but if he does something with the Cleveland Browns, what a capper. That is the ender for any bar bets that you make. Anybody you're sitting down next to and they say it's Joe Flacco elite, <laughs> say, guess what he did with the Cleveland Browns in 2023? That will be the end of the story. Fair point, McNeil. Then we could really say we found our mojo. I'm still pushing mojo, but I like the elite t-shirt. I will be ordering that as well. But this leads us into... My realistic expectation for the Browns this season is? Playoff run. I mean, you've got to not only make the playoffs. I want to see them win a game. I think Flacco is playing well enough that we could do it. I think the defense is certainly there to, to make that happen. I think the offense, when it's all on the same page, we see that it's got uh, capability, especially through the first quarter when you're, when you're going right off script with the Kevin Stefanski. But I have high expectations. We need to get our injuries under control. We need to get healthy. Uh, I think if that happens, I think this team can make a playoff run. I'm I'm exactly in lockstep with you, Chris, and that is making a playoff run. I think the organization understood that they could play DTR and they could get him ready to be Deshaun's backup next year and kind of heir to the throne if the Deshaun thing goes a little crazy next year. But they did the responsible thing. They owed it to the veterans in that locker room. They owed it to Miles Garrett. They owed it to Joel Batonio to continue to go in and win this year and I think they owed it to the fans as well. That's why I love the decision to roll with Joe Flacco. I love that Kevin Stefanski came out right after the game and said he is our guy definitively moving forward. And I think you're setting yourself up here to go on a little bit of a playoff run to win some playoff games. Again, I'm going to keep saying it every week. It's been done before. There is a statue that exists of Nick Foles. <laughs> We've seen Blake Bortles play in an AFC championship yeah. game. It is possible to get championship-level quarterback play from maybe guys that aren't championship-level quarterbacks. I think that's what Kevin Stefanski is doing right now, and I think you got to win a playoff game this year. And if you do that, 
then you're set up nicely to go into next year and beyond throughout this Deshaun Watson contract because then, you know, this offseason, those are the conversations that are going to be had. I like how you're both sizing it. You're saying Joe Flacco is playing very well while also saying he doesn't have to be that good of a quarterback. And these other teams that have won it with lesser quarterbacks and comparing him to the Bortles or to the Nick Foles of the world. So I like how you're playing both sides of it. I think Flacco can get it done. I think so, too. And I think Stefanski is boosting that confidence. I think him and Flacco, for whatever reason, are gelling really well. I haven't heard Kevin speak so glowingly about a quarterback since that little eight-game run that we had with Baker Mayfield when things were really clicking with Stefanski and Baker. I mean, the Browns have had four QBs win a game this year, and despite some of the highs that Deshaun was able to give us, Stefanski was absolutely glowing at the presser about what Joe Flacco has provided, both from a veteran leadership perspective and from just an on-the-field awareness perspective. I implore people, go back to that David Njoku touchdown, the second one, where he was able to curl it right in. That was a blitz coming at Flacco. When he saw it coming, he crept to the right just enough to get out of the way before delivering that ball to Njoku. And that's the type of things that vets do. Like DTR probably gets blown up for a sack there or just tries to take off and run for it by himself. Flacco turned that into a touchdown. And that's the difference between having a 38-year-old and a 23-year-old starting for the Browns. It's crazy. It does kind of feel at times that the game is a little bit slower for him. Maybe it's just his body uh, language, but he does feel just comfortable and collected. We love to see it. We're about it, Joe. Okay, let's move on to blank is the best team owner in Cleveland. Who do you think? Oh, man. We're revisiting this again. Is it because now the Haslam's have a cup again down in in Columbus? Yeah, we had to revisit. Uh, I'm still going to say. Dan Gilbert yep. has given us a championship <laughs> here in Cleveland. He remains the best owner, the best team owner in Cleveland. Yeah, Dan is the complete owner. I think the one thing that the naysayers could say about Dan is you you lost the greatest player to ever live twice, but he continually gives the team the resources necessary. Not many owners would do what he did after that 2016 championship and dive all the way with both feet right into that luxury tax to pay J.R. Smith to keep those guys in Cleveland. Tristan Thompson got a bag. A lot of owners wouldn't have done that so I'm still going to give it to Dan Gilbert and the Cavs are still going to make the playoffs this year even without being in that luxury tax look out because if they win a playoff series I know we're talking about like Donovan Mitchell if things go bad he could leave Cleveland if things go good and the Cavs prove themselves to be a legit force in this Eastern Conference I look for Dan to do the opposite and that's bring Mitchell back to Cleveland and just keep adding I think that's the kind of dude that he is I'm still going to say he's the best owner in Cleveland right now. All right, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. Austin Hedges Hedges. coming back to the Guardians is. And before you guys get too long-winded, I would like to say something. I love this guy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love this guy. I love his wife also. Shout out to Maggie. But they are just the best people. Plus, I've, I've read the Twitter you know the comments and everything people are don't have the most uh, you were used the word glowing early earlier i like that they haven't had the most glowing things to say about him because of what the batting average and everything but he has the intangibles okay he has like what did we just talk about veteran presence he brings a locker room together he creates that gel he is a leader and he he makes people win so before you get into the nitty-gritty on his personal stats i would just like to say personally i'm very thrilled to have him back in Cleveland. 
Well, I think you hit on it right there. He's a great clubhouse guy. He's also a good defensive catcher. We've already got Bo Naylor out there. So this is a veteran we bring in who's going to be able to spell Bo Naylor whenever he needs a break. And we'll also provide that veteran leadership we're looking for in the clubhouse, which, you know, with a new manager now, yep. we're going to really sorely need. And I like it coming from the catcher position. It always seems kind of a natural in baseball. And I think he had a good run with us the first time around. People loved him. It's great to have this guy back. Yeah, I'm in lockstep. I mean, everybody loves this guy. Like every organization that he has gone to since Cleveland, obviously won a World Series with Texas, was at Pittsburgh before that. Like he is just infectious everywhere he goes. I get that this is a dollar DVD bin signing and people are mad about that, especially hey coming right off the heels of Shohei Otani. Right. You know, people are mad like, okay, they, the Dodgers could give $700 million to Shohei Otani and we get $4 million. Austin Hedges, Austin Hedges <laughs> back. So I understand where the frustration comes from. He's a catcher that hits 189, so there's no reason to do cartwheels down East Fourth about that. But I am excited about just having his leadership back. It, it is ultimately a net positive for the Guardians, I truly believe. Yeah, and the catcher, I mean, really can controls the game. Like yeah. they, they probably don't get enough credit for this, but like Chris was saying earlier, that leadership that he can then offer our younger catchers is going to be invaluable. So. Yeah, and we're a pitching factory, so you say. got good pitchers, you need good catchers, and kind of goes hand in hand. Absolutely. We've got to take a break before our big play bets, but thank you so much for watching. We'll be back with the Big Play Cleveland show right after this. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland Show. I'm Nick Padone. She's Gab Cruz. Chris McNeil with us as well. And it is time to get you guys into our Big Play bets this week. As always, they're brought to you by Tipico Sportsbook. Download Tipico Sportsbook now. Pull up the App Store, Google Play Store as you're watching us. Download Tipico. When you do, use promo code BIGPLAY100. When you bet 25 bucks, we're going to give you $100 of bets on us. You got to be 21 years or older to gamble in Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Guys, we're crushing it with our big play boosts. I feel like we're putting them up at like an insane clip. So we, we're going to keep those rolling. We're going to start, as we always do, on Sunday with our Browns. The Browns will host the Chicago Bears. They're three-point favorites at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Justin Fields looks good. The Bears are starting to figure some things out. Chris, we got to build this big play boost here. Yeah, the Bears are out of the playoffs, but they've been coming strong here. Justin Fields has shown that he is an NFL quarterback and has really been starting to flourish here as of late. So this is going to be a harder game, I think, than what we had thought earlier in the season. We looked at the Bears, said they're a mess. They've been a mess. They continue to be a mess. Well, we've actually got a game on our hands for Sunday, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for a big play boost, especially knowing that Joe Flacco is our guy, should we lean into some of that mojo? Should we build a positive Joe mojo, Flacco mojo. boost? I like that. Last week we said over 200 yards, and what? He goes for over 300. 300. So he, he, goes, he sees our 200 and gives us another 100. I love that. We did say no interceptions. He That's hurt us on that sell. leg. Yeah. That was the leg of the parlay where we didn't quite cash out, but – yeah, I'm with you. Let's let's ride some Flacco momentum. 
do we want to stay conservative and we just go over 200 again or should we get a little crazy after we've seen a 300 yeah i was gonna say after he's this is the bears hypothetically speaking okay yeah come on hypothetically speaking i get a little nervous because i know we shouldn't go off of like (laughs) well our track record says and (laughs) blah 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 but i'm feeling confident about it at least 250 for our guy all right you know what's kind of upsetting is we didn't go with a Njoku touchdown last week, and he scores two touchdowns. Yeah. Of course. Do we think he can get in the end zone again against the I Bears? I think so. I think Seems that he's a, a favorite. Yeah, he's, he's a favorable mojo target. mojo between him and Flacco. All right. I like so that. much mojo between, between those two. And then the last one that we, we keep doing, it hit on Sunday, is the Miles Garrett sack. Last time that he saw Justin Fields, he had four sacks in that game. We could go Joe Flacco, 250, David Njoku, anytime touchdown, and a Miles Garrett sack as our three it. legs. I like it's that. It's beautiful. All Honestly, right. this is so satisfying. <laughs> Look yep. at that. Look at us building big play boost <laughs> right on the fly and feeling good about it. Thank you, Flacco. All right, let's head elsewhere around the NFL. The Steelers are two-and-a-half-point dogs on the road in Indianapolis against the Colts. We know this game will have serious, serious, serious wildcard implications as we look at this AFC standings. Chris, who you like to win this one, Colts or Steelers? Fighting Gardner Minshews. I like the Colts in this game. I think the Steelers still reeling. I, I think they're a mess over there. We hear some locker room problems. We hear, quite candidly, some of the problems that we've heard in the past in Cleveland Browns locker rooms. That's what the Steelers are going through right now. So enjoy it, guys. It'll be a fun ride for you. You're going to lose again. <laughs> I'm with you. Let's go Colts. I think the Steelers are just about sunk this point in the season. They're going to ride with Mitch Trubisky again in this game. We saw those fans, those miserable Steeler fans crying for Mason Rudolph. That's how you know, and that's a familiar place. I've stood foot in Cleveland Brown Stadium trying to chant for Kevin Hogan and Cody Kessler before. I know that feeling well. Good luck to you guys, but it's Colts minus two and a half in this one. Gab? Wait on that. All right. Yeah, I'm, Sweet. I will not be refuting no any of what you just said. <laughs> love it. Let's go to Buffalo. The Bills are one and a half point favorites against the Dallas Cowboys. I, this is a surprising line because the Bills were able to get that win over the Kansas City Chiefs, but they still just don't look the same Buffalo Bills as old. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. Upset special on the road. Give me yeah. Dallas. Did you see them? Over the weekend, it's for me. It's totally the Cowboys. Yeah, they are. They are good. I can't believe this, but I'm gonna agree with you guys. I thought wow, Dak Prescott looked good. Looked good against the Eagles. You know, the Bills had a big win yesterday. Kind of aided, not by the officials, but by just their stupidity of the way that they lined up. Although you see that one a little bit differently, don't you? Yeah, you know, I thought it was good when I watched it in real time. I thought it was a little bit closer than what it actually was. But then now seeing those screenshots where Kadarius Tony was literally standing in front of the center, like what was he thinking? And number two, why didn't anybody just grab him by the one and the nine and just yank him back? That was a little bit bizarre. I will say, I feel like Mahomes is frustration it was just misguided i think it was a a, just a culmination of you know because last year i mean the the week prior they got kind of screwed the same way velda scantling dropped that ball you could say pass interference so i think that the league has to figure out their officiating thing 
And that's, a lot of people but are not like, in this, yeah. case. in this case, they were right. Sure, the sure. The league was absolutely right. Kadarius Tony was offside very clearly. I know that the officials sometimes help you out, but you shouldn't count on that. Yeah. And that's not a part of the game. That's something they do in addition. I, I'm sorry. Mahomes is wrong. Andy Reid is wrong. They were not screwed in this situation. The officials did exactly what they were supposed to do. They called it as they saw it, and the Chiefs were wrong. I'm sorry. You were on the short end this time. It doesn't happen very often to you, Kansas City. You didn't get it this time. But what they have to figure out is it's not a good look on Monday morning when the biggest headlines from around the league are your biggest superstar coach in Andy Reid, your offensive superstar player in the league in Patrick Mahomes, and your biggest superstar defensive player in Miles Garrett, all three complaining about officiating. That is a horrible look for the National Football League, and they have to figure it out. Whether they were right about that call, whether they were wrong about that call, they've been wrong about way too much this entire season across the entire National Football League. The NFL has an officiating problem, and they got to figure it out because we're going to continue to see guys just eat that fine. These guys don't care, and they're going to continue to bash officials, and you know Raj can't love that because that's not good for the product. And here's what they need to do. They need to find Andy Reid. They need to find Patrick Mahomes, and they need to listen to Miles Garrett. Those are the three <laughs> things they need to do. Problem solved. <laughs> Look at that. All righty, we are going to step aside, and when we return, we'll wrap the show, and I'm going to take you guys on a little tour of SoFi Stadium. Don't go anywhere. More Big Play Cleveland show right after this. Welcome back to the Big Play Cleveland show. You are joining us right now to see a little bit of a tour around SoFi Stadium. Right, Nick? Yeah, this was super fun, guys. Like, having the opportunity to, one, just be in L.A. for that game. I know we got to talk a little bit last week when I was in the Uber, and that was, like, nuts because I had my <laughs> AirPods in. Like, the Wi-Fi wasn't quite – I was getting, like, we every other work. word of you guys. I'm sure you guys were probably getting every third word of me. We made it work, but it was super cool to be out there. And that stadium is just beautiful. Like, I know everywhere is trying to do renovations and trying to make new stadiums and just put stadiums in new places. I don't think anywhere is going to be able to do it like that. Truly, Chris. Was there something special that you saw that's a little bit different that you don't see it like going to Cleveland Stadium here or even like Rocket Mortgage, some yeah. of the stadiums around here? What's crazy, and especially because like I've been in really nice stadiums. Lucas Oil this year was really nice. I've been to Mercedes-Benz Superdome in Atlanta for the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I've been to U.S. Bank in Minnesota, which is one of the new ones. What's crazy about this one is that it doesn't sit high at all. It sits down. It's like down in they a hole, dug right? it. Yeah. They dug it, and I'll say it in the tour when we play this here in a minute. They had to dig 100 feet down because it's so close to the airport. So like 80% of the seats, you're literally below ground level. And that helps it get really loud in there. I know a lot of people, especially us being here from Cleveland, were like, well, L.A., like they don't really have fans. They do. They do. Like they had Rams fans there and they were loud. Like that building was loud. That big infinity scoreboard that you see that has like 8,000 speakers or something crazy, like wow. right on it. So it gets very loud in there, especially because it's in the ground, literally. Uh, it sits right by the airport and it's a dome, but it's not because every all the air is open. It's indoor, outdoor. So it's all open and the roof is translucent. So like you, I was getting sun at the game because it's a transparent roof and it was just really cool. 
So do we need to dome Cleveland Stadium here? Do we need to bring yeah. some of that concept here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. And probably put, I mean, can't do it exactly how they did it because we get wind and rain and everything else. Probably right. got to put some sides on ours. But uh, yeah, it's really cool. And honestly, I think we have the video. So let's go on a little tour of SoFi right now. Alrighty, walking out of the tunnel onto the field here at SoFi Stadium. This is where the Browns are going to play the Rams. Going to take you guys on a quick little tour through Stan Kroenke's owner suite. We're going to warm up right here on the field, and we are going to show you guys all things SoFi Stadium. This is the outside of SoFi Stadium in the beautiful Inglewood, California. Take a look at this transparent roof. It lets the light right in. There was a cool breeze all throughout. They built this thing so close to the airport that they couldn't build up, so they had to dig 100 feet in the ground. That means 80% of these seats are actually below ground level. This place is actually like an upscale restaurant, not even like a football stadium. And now I'm gonna take you guys into Stan Kroenke's owner suite. The only way that you can get in here is invite only from Stan himself. This is where Kim Kardashian has birthday parties, Kareem Abdul, Jabbar watches games in here. It felt kind of weird recording. There were huge TVs, any type of food or drink that you wanted, a really cool place to watch a game. Okay, now we're going into the Chargers locker room. Obviously, the Rams locker room was closed because they were getting ready to play the Browns. Check out Justin Herbert's locker right there. This is a state-of-the-art locker room with a ton of seating, a ton of TVs, and it's got to be a really cool place for the Los Angeles Chargers to prepare for a game. This is the Fieldside Cabana, honestly probably the best seat in the house, just a beautiful picturesque view of the entire stadium, really, really cool. And here's me trying to warm up for, to play for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> <laughs> super fun super fun time out there and that stadium was just really cool looking elite yeah yeah my my throwing motion needs a little work i definitely mm -hmm. not on like joe flacco's tier yet but um warming up on the sideline especially like in the sun i feel like it was a little bit easier of a place to get the blood flowing for a warm-up super cool invite <laughs> only what a flex yeah it was really cool so how did you get into the owner's suite i do need to yeah ask. we would like to know Mystery, mystery, can't tell. Mystery. Ah, can't tell. Look at you with your connections can't tell. Over here. Yeah, yeah, worked our way in there, and it, it felt weird like recording in there just because, like, they were that so that took place on Saturday, um, and they were getting it quite literally ready for stand that next day. Like, I had people over here like filling up candy jars, I had people over here like actually rolling sushi, like, they were truly getting re ready to go for like a billionaire and all of his <laughs> friends. And here's me like recording, I'm like, ah, I'm just gonna like not record much in here but it was really cool and they told us yeah like kim kardashian has birthday parties like that's usually like kareem abdul jabbar's favorite place to just watch the game in the stadium you know kind of away from everybody else there's huge like movie screen tvs like on three different walls in there it's pretty cool and then like two huge bars too it's amazing the way the elites take in these football games yeah yeah they're not freezing in the dog pound like us. a dog pound with a beer and a hot dog and just trying to stay warm nope nope that's living the life rolling sushi up there i mean yeah. The, caba Next level. the cabanas were really nice too. So like, you, you, yeah, like you have that little inside area where I was filming, but then you could pop right out, and there was like outdoor patio furniture. You know, where like you could sit on like somebody's back patio couch and watch the game right there in the end zone. It was really cool, and I didn't watch the game in there. I wish I did, <laughs> but it, it was cool just to check it out nonetheless.
All right, guys, I think we have a minute to wrap the show. Chris, I'm going to will into existence. This is the week. We f- hashtag free reflog. Let's yeah. will it into yeah. existence. Good point. We'll put it out there for our audience. Keep hashtagging Ooh. it. Put it out there for our Bally Sports audience, too. Hashtag free reflog. We're going to get it back. We got this some positive mojo with the Columbus <laughs> crew winning. Miami of Ohio has a big matchup on Saturday. They're playing in a bowl down in Orlando, playing App State. So we're going to show Michigan how it's done, how you can beat App State on Saturday. So I'll be watching typical odds on that. Yeah. And I will be betting on my alma mater down there in Orlando. I like right. it. I'll tell you on that. Let's show Michigan how it's done. That's right. Let's roll, Red Hawks. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Big Play Cleveland Show. Make sure to follow us on all social media. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on Instagram. And go check out the rest of the Big Play show to, shows as well. We're putting out a ton of good t- content, so go check out everybody else on BigPlay.com too. I'm Nick Padone. She's Gab Cruz, Chris McNeil, and we will see you guys next week.